Good morning. Good to see you all. I um. Let's pray. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity uh, to really come to you. I truly just pray, God, that I can be an instrument of your will this morning, that your spirit would work powerfully in the hearts of every man and woman in this room. I pray that we can be people who truly strive to know you, God, to be instruments of your will, to humble and surrender our hearts to you, to have great faith that you will guide us, protect us, and lead us, to, to train our hearts and minds uh, in, in godliness and righteousness, to grow in our faith, to be able to great, do great things for you. Dad, I love you. Speak powerfully through me this morning. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be back in the book of Daniel. Uh, so if you have your Bible, please turn over there. And I have... So, I, you know, last week I talked about Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego from the book of Daniel. And we talked about their faith. And, and if you weren't here, I'll give you a little bit of context. So the... This book is written by uh, a prophet named Daniel. He was a, he's either from a, a noble house, like uh, he's a child of nobles in Jerusalem, or he's even a part of the royal family. He was actually captured and taken from his home. The Babylonians captured the Israelites, took them away to Babylon, and they, they are now there. They destroyed their city. They, they tore down their walls. They tore down their temple. It was, it was chaos. I mean, what, what happened? They're demoralized, discouraged, and, and a lot of their society has just been utterly ruined. So we talked about that last week. But it's here, the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, he actually took in some of, the, some of these uh, children of the, the nobles and royal households. And he said, all right, only the smartest, the best looking, the most talented are going to be the ones that I'm going to be that are going to come to my table. And then I'm going to teach them. I'm going to train them. Uh, and they're going to learn from me. And eventually I'm going to, they may work their way to being appointed as people who do work for me. They may be one of my officials. And so Daniel is, is one of four that are mentioned. And he is, he's kind of the ringleader. You know, last week we talked about Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. We talked about their faith. But there's a reason that this book is titled Daniel and not Meshach, Shadrach, or Abednego. Right? Uh, you know, it's those, those three guys had exceptional faith. And we talked about that last week. And, and I was rocked to talk about, man, what, what do we bow down to in society? What are the false idols of the society that we, we give into, the social pressures and... And how these guys didn't. But we haven't really talked about Daniel yet. Daniel is the ringleader. And I'm going to share a little, I'm going to go off what I prepared, just in a sense because I was thinking about it this morning. And I've been reading this book over the last two weeks and really studying it and going over it. And, and I prepped last week's. And, and I can't. I can't not talk about a couple of these things right now, alright? So, if you're taking notes, I, I want you to just write this down. Just write down Daniel 2, alright? I want you to go back later and read it. Alright, because I'm going to reference it, and I want you to know, but what he's talking about, Daniel is a man who was actually spoken to by God. He was spoken to what could actually have been Jesus himself. That He, had, he was sent messengers, which is angels, 
to, to speak to him from heaven. I, I literally believe that he saw these. Like, I, I actually believe that that happened. He's written some of these things down. Some of this is this imagery of visions and, and prophecies that Daniel actually received from these angels. He had no clue. In fact, at certain points he writes, he says, these, I, I don't even understand them. They're not understandable. To him. Some of them we look back at now and we go, well, that's this and this is that. And in Daniel chapter 2, he, he interprets a dream for the king. And he tells the king, the, the king sends out a proclamation. He says, I'm going to kill all of the magicians, diviners, wise men, everybody. He says, I'm going to kill all of you if you can't tell me what my dream means. They come to him and say, all right, well, tell us your dream and we'll tell you what it means. He goes, nope, that's not how it's going to work. You're going to tell me what I dreamed. So that I know you're not just making this stuff up. And everybody's like, nobody's ever asked this. This is ridiculous. And they're like, well, he, he essentially says, well, I'm just going to kill you all now. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but this is essentially what happens. Daniel comes and he says, no, I, let me go to the king. He tells the king, let me pray about it. He goes away, talks to Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, and says, guys, we need to pray. Pray that God gives us, ask for mercy. He comes back and he, he tells the king what he dreamed and he tells him what it's going to mean. And in Daniel 2, I'm sorry I'm not reading it because I want you to read it and go back and you'll have a little bit more context when you read it. He tells him about a statue and he says, in the statue there's, there's multiple components. You know, there's a head of gold, there's a chest of silver, there's a belly and thighs of bronze and then there's feet of iron which would be kind of like the calves are of iron, and then the feet and the toes are of iron and clay. And he tells them these four components, he says, this is the next couple of kingdoms that are going to come. And he says, but at the end of the statue, a stone is going to strike the feet, and he says, then a kingdom will be established that will cover the entire earth and will last forever. What's interesting is, the, the breakdown of these kingdoms, he tells them, all right, you're the head of gold, Another kingdom's coming after you. They're not going to be as great as you are. Then he says, and then there'll be another kingdom after that, the one of bronze. He said, they'll be very strong. They'll, they'll spread out. They'll take over a lot. But then he says, and then there'll be one of iron. And he says, this one will, they will crush everybody that stands up against them. They, they will take over. And he says, but they will be a mixed kingdom. And so they're going to be a little brittle because clay, when it's baked, is, is brittle. And... And what we actually can see is that the next couple of kingdoms, Babylon was the gold. The next kingdom would be the Medo-Persian Empire. The following kingdom would be the Greeks, which would be the bronze. And the last kingdom, the major kingdom to take over that region, would be the Romans. Right? And we know that the Romans were, they were very powerful, very strong, but what they ended up doing was incorporating so many cultures into their government that they became very brittle, hard to stick together. And, and actually, in that point, we knew that on the timeline, that's when the kingdom of God would come. This is a pretty amazing prophecy. When you consider that he's like, all right, these are the next couple kingdoms. This is what's going to happen. The kingdom of God that's going to last forever, it's going to come in the Roman time period. When did Jesus come? During the Roman time period. That's pretty awesome. Um, but I, I wanted to show you this really quickly, only because... I couldn't help not talk about it uh, because this is 
this is amazing to me. And, and I want to encourage you to read the book of Daniel. When you read it, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to pray a lot. Honestly, because there are things that you won't be able to understand. There are things that so many scholars debate on. What's symbolic? What's literal? What's this? What's that? But he's talking about the kingdom of God. And ultimately, what he's talking about is Jesus. He's foretelling 600 years in advance the coming of Jesus Christ. But here's, here's one of the ones that just makes me laugh. And I, and I have to, to point this out. In, in, Roman, or in uh, Daniel 8... And I want you to write this down too. If you're taking notes, please make a note to go back and look at this. Daniel 8, you look at this. He talks about this, there's a, there's a sheep or this ram and it's got two horns and he's talking about the Medo-Persian Empire. But he says the next, the next kingdom, it's going to be a shaggy goat. And I think it's funny. Uh, it's the Greeks. And he says, this shaggy goat, it's going to have, sounds a little silly, it's going to have one horn. Right? And this... This shaggy goat's going to take over the next kingdom. He's going to defeat the ram and take over. And it, it describes this one horn, and he says, that one horn is the great king. The great king of Greece. And then that king, when he falls, it's going to divide, and his, his kingdom will be split into four. And then there will be four kings. Now, I don't know if you know this. This, is, this was being written in uh, roughly 560. All right? The Greek empire that he's talking about, would be 200 years later. The great Greek king is Alexander the Great. When, his, when he died in his young 30s, his nation split into four. And it was taken over by his generals. And you, you had the Greek nation splitting into four nations and eventually to be taken over by the Romans. As well, But that was a prophecy 200 years in advance when it's talking about these things. I want to encourage you to go back and read this. Some of it's crazy. Some of it you, you can like theorize what you want. And, and there's definitely a lot of debate. There's so many things. But if you want to grow in your faith, like spend some time really praying and reading about some of this stuff. Some of it I, I wanted to preach about, but I was like, I just don't feel like I have enough facts to make it clear enough. So I didn't, but I couldn't help not talk about this this morning. All right? So I want to encourage you. I don't know if... Does anybody else think that was cool? Yeah. And the idea, like, personally, the idea that it's mentioning there will be a great king of Greece who will then his, his nation will split, be split into four. And that's exactly what happened. I think that's pretty amazing considering it was written 200 years before the events. Yeah. And they said it would be Greece who would defeat the Persians. Who did? Uh, blows my mind when I think about that stuff. It builds my faith. But that's not at all the point of my sermon today. All right? Okay. That's just stuff I couldn't help but talk about because I thought it was amazing. It, hurt, it, it, it helps my faith um, just to see that stuff. But what I want to talk about today is Daniel and his faith. And, and the title of this sermon is Faithful in All Times. Right? Faithful in All Times. And I told you the context, and so we're going to pick up in Daniel 6. And at this time in Daniel's life, Nebuchadnezzar is dead. Who took over? The Medo-Persians. So he's actually, uh, he's under a king of Persia who was born as a Mede. It's interesting that some people think that this is King Cyrus the Great. There's debate on it. 
But the idea is still, he is, we're going to pick up in chapter 6. Daniel has been well liked already. And the king likes Daniel. But what I want us to look at is how Daniel walks with God. And what he what he upholds, how he lives his life, what he does in times of challenge, and even what he's doing before. But let's look in verse 1. You guys with me? Awesome. I'm going to read a chunk of this. So hopefully you've got a Bible, or hopefully I do a good enough job I can keep your attention. But starting in verse 1, the king, his name is Darius. It says, It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the... uh, among... distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. But they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charge against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the laws of his God. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days except you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. And so King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, He went home to his upstairs room where the window opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed. Giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days anyone who prays to any god or man except to you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to the king and said to him, Remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed? So the king gave the orders, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought, placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without entertainment, He brought, being brought to him. 
and he could not sleep. At first light of dawn, he got up, hurried to the lion's den, and he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, are you, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, O king, live forever! My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I've, I have found, I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. You know, the title of my first point, and I only have two points, faithfulness requires training. Daniel was faithful to his God. He was faithful that God could save him. He was faithful that whatever he would do, he would continue to do what was right by God, no matter the consequence, right? And, and what I love is, as I look at this, being faithful at all times to God is not easy, right? Let's just be real. Is it an easy thing to be faithful when, when life is just throwing challenges your way? Whether it's illness, whether it's money issues, whether it's, you know, relationship issues. The, the number of things that come at you are, are astounding. But what I love here is looking at Daniel's faith. When he's told, you're going to die if you continue to pray. And the next paragraph, it just says, When Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home in his upstairs room that faced Jerusalem, and he prayed three times a day asking for God for help. He just immediately went to God. He just went to God to ask for help and to, to ask Him to say, I, I need your help, God. I'm going to do what's right by you. And it actually reminds me a little bit of Jesus. And Rob, I love that Rob shared the scripture he shared this morning. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he's praying, not my will, but your will be done. My the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, right? I believe in the people in this church, right? We want to love God and serve God, right? Yeah. I mean, we want that. We want to do right by Him. But the, the reality of it is, is our flesh is weak. Jesus was, Jesus was a man. He, he experienced every temptation that we experienced. And, and he had the same desires that we have, right? And yet here, we see that he's going, I want this, I need your help. He's going to the Father still to get strength, right? And even now, Daniel, you know, 600 years before, is doing something very similar that Jesus would be doing, right? He's going to, he's going to God, he's going to the Father and, and asking for help. But I look at this scripture and I say, he goes to pray in the good times and the bad times. He was actually known for praying three times a day. It's what he did when things were going great. I mean, why do you think things were going great? Right? Uh, But he's he's going there, he's praying to God, he's praying and saying, God, help me. Help me do the right thing. He, He was known for doing that. Are you known for doing that? 
good times and the bad. Right? Because when times are hard and times are bad, it's actually, for some of us, it's easier to pray. For some of us, we don't want to do, we don't want to have anything to do with God because we're just upset with Him that times are hard. Okay? I mean, can we just be real? Doesn't that happen? It happens to me. And, but here He is. He's praying in the time of persecution. It was what He was already doing. He had been faithful in training Himself for years for this time. For times of hardship, for times of challenge. You know, prayer is a spiritual discipline, right? How do we do it praying? How do you do it your consistency in your prayer life? He was known for three times a day. And, and you know, I could say, oh, well, you know, I pray like 20 times a day. You know, I pray at least three times a day when I eat, if I eat three times a day. You know, I, I maybe I do... I pray like this little prayer, that little prayer. No, I don't think he was praying little prayers. I think he was on his knees, praying to God, really connecting with him. You know, you saw, I referenced some of those prophecies. Do you think that that's a man who doesn't have a connection with God, who can just hear God speak to him like that? No, it's someone who goes to God daily in prayer. How are we doing at being that way? I want to grow in this. I'm still fighting to grow in this, guys. But spiritual growth requires training. You know, something Daniel also did, he fasted a lot. You read the book of Daniel, he fasted a lot. How do we do it fasting? Right? It's not something I've talked about a lot. I need to talk about it more. But fasting, Jesus said, when you fast. He didn't say if you fast, he said when you fast. We should be fasting. It teaches us a lot. Prayer feeds us spiritually. Fasting teaches us to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Right? There's a reason we fast. And I look at this. Both of these are aspects of spiritual discipline. But we know this. 1 Timothy 4, verse 7, or 1 Timothy 4, 7, says, Train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value in all things. You know, we look at this this concept of physical training. I, I love, I really enjoy physical training. I love going to the gym. I like working out. Funny enough, Kristen loves to play sports and hates working out, like for the purpose of working out. I would rather work out than play sports. Um, I don't know why, unless it's water polo. I love to do that. But um, it's probably because it's one of the few sports I'm actually really good at. Uh, but anyways, I, I, I see this though. I enjoy this kind of stuff. I enjoy working out and, and, and training my body, but I haven't worked out, with the exception of last week, in like six months. I think I worked out one time in six months. Right? I go to the gym and I'm like trying to lift some weight and it's not a lot of weight and I'm feeling it because I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start here because this is where I'm at. But I went last week and I only went twice and I've been really sore. I, let's be honest, I didn't lift a lot of weight. I knew it, that I, I didn't actually work very well. I worked hard for where I'm at. But in what I know I've been capable of in the past, I didn't work very hard. But I was so sore. Like, kept stretching, like, my back was sore. My, I mean, just, I was sore. Tried to do some leg press and the calf things, and my calves were killing me. Uh, you know, and we have multiple flights of stairs in our house. But there's... The physical training, 
I, I have to do it if I want to get to a certain spot. And the reason I want to start training again, for one, is because I want to do a Tough Mudder again. Yeah. We, we, did it, we did it last year in June. And we talked about what is it going to take to be able to finish the race. You've got to train. You've got to be dedicated to training to be ready for the race. And for the, the obstacles and the different things that are going to come up, right? And it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it, was, it was a great time. There was 11 of us. Only two people finished every obstacle. One of them was my pregnant wife. Right? You know? She was. She was, in fact. Uh, so, there you go. But, uh, you know, it was pretty... It was, it was a lot of fun. It was exciting to do. And... We had a great time. We came out with bumps, bruises. Some people have scars. We had some people who were sore. I ended the race, and it was very cold at the end. And my muscles were so tight, I was walking to the car like this. I'm not exaggerating. I seriously was walking to the car like this. I could, I had to turn my seat warmers on and crank the heat because my body had just stiffened up. Because my muscles just were in so much pain. All of us are standing around. As a tough butter, they give you a a free beer at the end and we're all standing there and we're just shaking and I'm also like filling my beer you know and, and it's just like well, you cannot help but not shake not only from the, the cold but the physical fatigue of it and, and we've been training for it but we got to the end and we were we were all feeling it and it also took a lot of teamwork but we had to train for that you know and we need to start training again for all of us who are going to do it. Hopefully we'll get, you know, at least a, we'll get a fellowship, a full fellowship, you know, together. That'd be great. But um, I, I, I look at this scripture and I see this and I go, are you training for the obstacles ahead? Are you going to be ready spiritually for the obstacles that are going to come up? Because they're going to come up, right? Are you training for them? Daniel was a man known for training, preparing himself. He, and I don't want you to look at training as just this work, because it's not a work. In fact, there are many scriptures throughout the book of Daniel where the angels come to him and he says, you are favored by God. But it's, it's like, you have, you have found favor. You are, you are highly esteemed in the eyes of God. That's actually one of the verses. That you're highly esteemed. But what made him highly esteemed? I believe it's because he was a man who sought after God. Not in an obligatory, like, I've got to do this work, but he realized how great God is and wanted a relationship with him. Is that what we're doing? Not for the sake of just finishing the race and doing the work because it's a good thing to do. No, 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 no. I'm talking about doing it to be close to God. But it does require training. Amen. And, and I think we need to make sure that we're doing that. Do you have, you know, I've talked about it multiple times, about having a, uh, a discipling plan. What you want to grow in as a disciple. What you want to grow in as a Christian. And, and do you have one? You know, I sat down and, and I wrote up kind of a, a, a lifting plan of, of training and working out and, and getting back into shape. I have one now for my physical training. I have one for spiritual training. I've handed it out to all of the brothers I'm proud of some of the brothers for making discipling plans and, and really moving forward to do it. I think it's great. But if you haven't, you've got to get one. Yeah. Right? You want one. 
if you want to do well. So let's, let's get those plans on how you want to grow spiritually and then communicate them. We did well. The Tough Mudder was great because we had a team. And there was different times where, you know, Giovanni and the sisters and all of them were, were going to work out together. And the sisters weren't always encouraged by the brothers in those scenarios, you know, because brothers just encourage each other in very different ways. Uh, that's not always helpful for sisters. And that's okay. Uh, that it's different. But the, the women kind of wanted to work out on their own after some of those. But that's all right. That's good, too. But we had, we had the times of working out together. You want to find a training partner. And you want to listen and you want to get help when they're trying to help you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Let's spiritually train together. This is something Daniel was known for. He was constant in his training. Uh, he was a man who was really faithful in it. And I think we need to be in it. Be faithful in it as well. Um, I, I look at this as well in this scripture, and, and look at look at verse nineteen of Daniel six. Of verse nineteen, it says, "At the first light of dawn, the king got up." hurried to the lion's den. And when he came near it, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. You know, it seems... Like a small statement. But he says, the God you serve continually. Right? Actually, on the second point, my title on my second point is, Dedication Defies Distraction. If you're dedicated, really, your heart is dedicated, you will not let yourself be distracted. You can want to be dedicated, but just because you want to be dedicated does not mean you are dedicated. Does that make sense? You can think it's a good idea, but not really be doing it. And, and here, Daniel, the king goes to Daniel and he says, The God who you serve continually. How does he know he served him continually? Because he said if he didn't stop praying to him, that he would kill him. And yet he kept serving him. What distracted? What was the, the, the possible distraction there? Oh, wow, death. <laughs> My physical life ending. You know, it wasn't just a lot like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego that I talked about last week. They weren't just going to lose their meal ticket, which the king was. He literally, they ate from the food of his table, right? It wasn't just that. It wasn't just physical. It wasn't just, or it just wasn't like the simple, oh, I lose my job. Or, oh, I'll, I'll lose. I won't have enough food. It was, I'll lose my life. That's a pretty intense distraction. To say the least, right? And I guess I, I, I look at this. A man known for his faith and dedication to God. You know, he was taken out of there. And I got to ask, do you think he was praying in that lion's den? I think so. 
I mean, come on. Can you just just think about it? I don't know how big this den was exactly, but let's just say it's at least you know a good chunk of this room, and you're in a den with lions who have not been fed, who are there for the purpose of like executing you, eating you alive, and you're placed in a lion's den, and you can see the lions. And even if it's dark in there, you can hear the lions. I mean, just the breathing would be freaking me out. Just think about it. They're like there, yawning. They're like licking their chops. Like, <sighs> yeah, what is he praying? What is Daniel praying? God, please help me, please help me. Or is it, is it a, God, thank you for taking care of me all of my life. You know, I think, I think the most faithful thing probably would have been just him thanking God for taking care of him. You know, did he throw in the, please keep, you know, keep their mouths shut. You know, like putting it in there. I think, but a lot of it was just him thanking God for protecting him. And you know, do we look at it, even in the deepest of trials, the ways that God is protecting us? Right? Do you ever think about it? In the in the heart of, I mean I am in no way trying to belittle challenging circumstances. But when we look at stuff like a family member passing or having cancer or finding out about an intense disease or, or something you're going to lose your job. Whatever's going to happen. There is the element where this is life and death in the moment. And was he still thanking God? Was he still praying? He was faithful. Right? How do we do at defying the distractions? Is our dedication at a point where we defy the things that would pull us from God? Or do we just just give in and just let ourselves lose our connection to God? You guys get what I'm saying? Yeah. This is what Daniel was known for. A man of exceptional faith. And God spoke through him powerfully. Read the book of Daniel. You'll see what I'm talking about. You'll also go, what the heck does that mean? And I can't tell you all the answers. Because <laughs> some of them are, as Daniel said, they're unknowable. But... I look at these, and I just, in the practical sense, I mean, what does it take to get you to stop praying? What does it take to get you to break off your connection with God? Your relationship, that you don't talk to Him, that you don't get time with Him. Is it, you get, you need a few more hours at work, you know? You need some more time, you need to put in a little bit more. You know, you, work demands a few more hours from you. Not just I want to work, it demands it of me. I want one more hour of sleep. I could be guilty of this one. I'll be right up front. That snooze button is the bane. Like, I need to just figure out how to just make it where, get the app that makes you do a complex math problem before it can shut off. Odds are, though, is I'll just turn my phone off rather than, uh, which would be really bad. You know, but what are the things? You want another hour of sleep? Somebody is un- Somebody's uncomfortable with your level of spirituality. 
at work, right? They're uncomfortable, so you just get quiet about it. I mean, does that, does that keep you from it? You know, is there a friend who wants to be a little bit more than a friend that can be pulling you away from God? I mean, that's, these are all real things I've seen in people's lives over years at this point. And what makes you defy God? Are you dedicated or do you like the idea of dedication? These are the things we've got to ask ourselves. Look at Daniel's faith. He's incredible. You can be like this. But it takes time and it takes training. And you've got to train from where you are. Like me, I didn't go in and start trying to bench press. You know, I think the best I ever had was 210. I'm not trying to bench that anymore. Honestly, I'll be real. I put it in at 165 as like my max right now. Which for me is less than I wet. Which is a little discouraging. But you know what? It's where I'm at. It's where I'm at. But if I train, will I stay there? Absolutely not. Right? And so here's the idea. We've got to do our best to be dedicated. Pray. Spend the time. If for you, the the couple times a day, legitimate, is you turn off your phone and you take ten minutes, if that's the challenge, now I say turn off your phone because if I sit down, I guarantee you, within five minutes, I will reach for my phone. I will pick it up, open Facebook, and go, why am I here? Oh yeah, click, and have to put it back down. Sometimes I forget to ask myself, why am I doing this? And I just keep staying there. I don't know if anybody else can relate to that. But I'd encourage you, turn it off, put it away, put it in the other room, do something. Whatever's going to defy God, your dedication, your dedication should defy the distractions, not the other way around. Right? And so... Let's get focused. See, here's the thing. Daniel saw miracles. He saw many miracles in his life. He saw angels literally speak to him. He may actually have seen Jesus. Which blows my mind. But it was because he was dedicated and faithful. You actually are greater. Any disciple of Jesus. Here's, you know, mind blown. Any disciple of Jesus is greater than Daniel. Why? Because you actually have the Holy Spirit of God living in you. It's amazing. It's incredible. And so I, I put this to you. Connect with that Spirit. Spend the time praying. Spend the time reading your Bible. Start where you're at. But set yourself some achievable goals. Share them with somebody. Get the time. Those who are dedicated see the miracles. The faithful people see the miracles. And, and I'd say this. Disciples should be defined by faith. I want to put it to you and ask you this question. Who do you want to be? And what miracles do you want to see? Do you want to be dedicated? Because it's going to take time. You've got to start. You've got to find somebody. But we can do this, church. You can do it. Spend the time. Make a plan for yourself. Share it with somebody. Ask them to keep you accountable and then be humble with them as they try to help you be accountable. Right? 
Great plans fail from lack of counsel, and sometimes just the lack of listening to that counsel. So, I put it to you. I ask you this question. The faithful will see the miracles. Who do you want to be? Amen. Amen.